Welcome to the Work Wonders Podcast, where we simplify HR for small business. I'm Susan. And I'm Angela. Let's dive into today's episode and answer what you've been wondering about. How's your business recovering from COVID? Well, it's been a long two years with multiple lockdowns, stand downs, homeschooling, face masks, hand sanitizer, social distancing, work from home, Zoom meetings and vaccinations. And while we're still living with COVID in our communities, we are moving forward. In today's episode, we're going to consider a few key things depending if your workplace is still working fully remotely, transitioning back to your workplace or a bit of both. So let's get started. This is the Work Wonders podcast. So Susan, we're based here in Sydney, in New South Wales, and uh, we've just seen the public health order change for us. There was a requirement for employers to allow working from home where it was reasonable, but that's just been lifted. Um, So some employers are preparing for that big return back to the office after a long two years. Yeah, there's a lot of change happening, isn't there? So what about you? What's your workplace look like right now? Everyone's still remote? all back to the office, or have you got a combination of what we call hybrid? We'd like to go through each of those scenarios today and discuss a few key topics, and hopefully you'll find some gems of information there that you can use. Yeah. So if working remotely or work from home is still the best option for your business and your staff, Mm -hmm. you've no doubt found a way to make that work over the past two years. But now we're moving from having to work from home, as in during a lockdown, Mm to choosing to allow work from home. So it is quite a different scenario. So a key thing to consider and get right if work from home is more permanent for you is workplace health and safety implications of doing that. Remember that workplace health and safety laws apply if a person has worked from home as if they're working on your premises. So have you checked that your employees have a designated space for their work? And that the office is not just their laptop on their lap in the lounge room. (laughs) (laughs) Are they still taking their allowed break times? Good point. Do you know if there are risks in their workspace at home, just as you would be checking for them on your own premises? Mm. So things like cables that they might Mm. trip over if they have to jump up quickly, a chair that is a bit dodgy, all those things that you would keep an eye on in the workplace. And how are you asking your staff to mitigate that risk if they're Mm. working from home? Also, do they need special equipment to help them work from home? I know some businesses have kind of made do Mm. um, and now are looking at, well, if this is going to be a more permanent relationship, how do we supply the equipment needed um, to work from home? So... Angela, you said there's a good checklist. Yeah, I found a really great um, working from home checklist, which is just a basic little risk assessment, really. So we might put the link to that in the show notes and uh, you can use that to help you with your workplace. Great. If work health and safety still applies, so does workers' comp, even if people are working from home. In the event that, unfortunately, an employee might injure themselves during work, even if they're at home, uh, workers' comp might still apply. It'll depend on a lot of things, but ultimately it comes down to whether the work was a significant and substantial cause of their illness or injury. So it's also timely to consider that and what you're doing to support um, not just a person's physical health, but also their mental health. 
COVID's been tough for all of us in different ways, but there are increased risks to a person's mental health. When you think about, what about, Susan, those frontline workers like healthcare workers, transport, people working in retail that might be subject to you know, harassment, people are really, really stressed. What about workers who have regular physical contact with people as part of their job and they might be seriously anxious about whether they're going to get COVID or give it to someone? Um, I'm thinking about healthcare or aged care, those sorts of critical roles as well. Another handout that I found from the Black Dog Institute, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. They're the experts, not me. But um, (laughs) there's some really great tips there around what you could do to support your employees. Yeah, and I think this is a really important issue because all of us have probably mm. struggled with mental health to some extent yeah. over yeah, this period of rapid change. So it is something that businesses now, um, I guess, expected to have more of a handle yeah. on in terms of their employees. Okay, so if you're going to make that decision to have people working from home, um, taking in all the workplace health and safety things we've just talked about, there's a few other things that you need to consider. First of all, is it that individual employer's role suitable to be working from home? Now, we know that actually 50% of workers can't work from home mm. because mm. of the type of work they do. So there's the workflows and the expectations that they need to meet, the outcomes that you're expecting, the workstation set up, uh, also the surrounding environment. You'll want somebody to be working with good ventilation, lighting, not too much noise. And then in the home environment, of course, there's all those other uh, complicating factors. (laughs) You mean children, right? Children. (laughs) Husbands too. That's right. (laughs) Oh, what about dogs? Other partners, (laughs) animals. In my case, definitely the animal. (laughs) Uh, Yes. So um, that's something to be considered if you're working out whether it's reasonable or not to allow people to work from home. Also, the communication requirements. So, do you need to have face-to-face meetings and communication and how do you maintain confidentiality and security with people working from home. We've said earlier the mental health and emotional well-being and the safe working procedures that we've already covered but also are there extra training requirements that you're going to need for people to work effectively from home. It's a good list. (laughs) It's a long list. Um, And if your head's exploding, don't worry, so it's ours. So if you haven't got a work-from-home policy in place, it's probably a good time to start preparing one. We know several businesses that just basically rushed into work from home because they had to, but now we're a couple of years down the track. You can do it with more intention. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. So on the other hand... You might have a team that's returned to the office and this is where communication is key, especially if you're requiring them Mm. to return to the office. So you make sure that you've discussed things like any change to the way work is done. Some office environments, there may be a change to how the office is set up. There may be changes to how many people are in the office at a time, how many people are allowed in a meeting room. And these are all things that you need to discuss with your staff in terms of what's reasonable and get their input as well. Keep them up to date with the changing laws that are relevant. Uh, An interesting thing I learnt on a webinar last week, which was about their Edelman Trust Barometer, Uh is that during COVID, 
employees actually have put very high trust in their employers to keep them informed. Oh, right. So it was surprising how much employees are relying on their employers to keep them informed of what's happening. About COVID, About COVID, yeah. As opposed to press and politicians who weren't trusted terribly highly. That's interesting. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it was quite fascinating. So... Are there any extra safety measures you want to put in place and make a plan for what you're going to do if someone does get COVID? But as always, allow your team to ask questions and raise their own concerns so that you end up with a policy that's going to be accepted by the team. So you might be wondering about if you can mandate COVID vaccinations for your workplace. Some people might be ahead of the game here, but some people might still be wondering, well, some industries have been directed by the government to actually do that. Um, Aged care, transport, healthcare, schooling, uh, they all come to mind. But for most of us, mandating vaccination hasn't been made legal for us. So it comes down to whether it's lawful and reasonable, reasonable being the key word there, um, That's a really big topic for us to unpack, Susan, but I thought what I might do is give you a guide that might be helpful to help divide up our type of work and understand if that's going to be reasonable. So when we look at um, types of jobs in all sorts of industries in Australia, if we look at them in tiers, so tier one work might be where people actually are required to interact with people with an increased risk of being um, infected with COVID. So there I'm thinking about people on the front line, like quarantine workers on border control, um, that sort of thing. Tier two is where employees um, still have that close contact with people, but they're more vulnerable um, to, to having COVID-19. So that might be our healthcare workers, our nurses, doctors, um, aged care, that sort of thing. Uh, tier three employees that have less likely, or still likely, but less likely um, to have interaction with the general public or customers, uh, that might be more workers in the retail space, that sort of thing, for example. And T4 is where employees have minimal face-to-face um, interaction. That's our work from home people or even people in an office. It's a lower risk. So you can start to see there how it sort of marries up. Tier 1 and 2, uh, like I said, aged care, quarantine, that sort of thing, It's obvious why they've become uh, mandated in law because it's more increased risk for those employees. Whereas an employer who might be in tier four, for example, so people that are working in an office or working from home, if they were to go and mandate COVID vaccinations, it might be harder to justify because there's that lower risk of transmission. So there's some important points to sort of get an idea of where you're sitting. We would definitely recommend, I think you'd agree with me, Susan, to get advice of a legal professional. Definitely. Uh, It's a very big and evolving issue and, yes, it's still to be tested in law. I think, Angela, too, there's a whole lot of um, other things that you might not think of initially, like privacy law. Yes, yeah. So, you know, how do you keep the record? How do you keep um, confidential information Mm. about your staff? Really good point. And as an alternative to mandating vaccination, uh, you might be thinking about still protecting your workplace using rapid antigen testing or what we all know now affectionately as rat tests. (laughs) (laughs) The same sort of framework applies to that though. So if you were to mandate or or have that as part of your structure with your employees, think of it in the same way, those sorts of tiers that we were talking about. And is it lawful and reasonable for you to ask your employees to do that? 
again, we would definitely recommend getting that legal advice on it, but there'd be things like consulting with your staff about that process, involving them in the conversation, why you need to do that and why you think it's going to protect them and potentially your customers as well. It might be reasonable for you as the employer to actually pay for those and make it available to staff. And like you said, Susan, I think privacy and confidentiality comes into it there as well. So same thing, if you're going to be asking people to give that information to you, how are you going to honour that and keep it confidential? Apart from that, uh, what other measures can we put in place? And we've probably all been doing this as we've been working, you know, during lockdown or when it's not lockdown, uh, toing and froing. But things like additional cleaning, um, that social distancing or having extra physical space, like Susan said, about having more space or less people in a meeting room. Um, things practically like not shaking hands, maybe coming to another arrangement of how you'd greet someone. Maybe you'd still feel comfortable using face masks or individuals might. Things like hand sanitizer, and of course, asking people to stay home if they have those cold and flu symptoms. I'm not saying anything new here, Susan, but it's it's important to remember that we do have those controls in place as well. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and again, if you're planning to introduce those controls mm. or you've got people coming back into the office after a long time away, it's worth consulting and seeing what is going to be acceptable, mm. what people are comfortable with, right. etc. So, what about if you're planning to allow your team to work in a hybrid way? So, hybrid could be any mix of things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We could mean that you're having most people in the office, but some people are allowed to work from home full time. Or everyone working certain days in the office, or it might be three Three in the office, two off. And yeah, then, you know, obviously that's a common gonna, one. <laughs> yeah, it's a very common one. I've heard a lot of people talking about that one. Um, I've also heard of people who are only going to have to be in the office one day a month. Wow. And okay. do all you know, the face-to-face meetings they need to do in that home. one day. Oh, right, right. Okay. Yeah, so hybrid can go right across the board. So when you get to that, if you end up having the hybrid model, that's going to take a bit of handling mm. as well. Bit unique, isn't it? it some is people at home bit, and yeah. some not. And interesting, when we would have, you know, pre-COVID, some organisations would have already had that in place. Yeah. And it would have been negotiated with the individual. Mm. 50% of people can't work from home, but that means 50% of jobs can be yes. done from home. So... A great proportion of those 50% have been working at home for the last two years. Yeah. And some of them like it and some of them hate it. (laughs) True. (laughs) But they've all had the experience of it. So this is where it starts to get quite tricky in how you negotiate that. So I would say, you know, first of all, start with making sure that you have structured, genuine and frequent communication. Mm. So everyone knows what's going on. Everyone's on the same page. Transparency is going to be really important. Yeah. You're going to set clear expectations. So if it doesn't work for your business to have people working from home, you probably need to be setting that expectation now Yeah. rather than have them thinking, hey, there's a chance I can work from home. Sure, because we've all been doing infinitum. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So setting those clear expectations and being very transparent about what that is. Also, you need to be fair, but not just be fair, but be perceived to be fair. Yes. I think this is going to be a really tricky one going forward. Yeah, right, because it's not the same, is it? Work from home is nothing like working in an office. There's lots of differences, yeah. and I guess it's it's really hard to make that sound equal. Would you agree? Well, I would, and especially as everyone's situation is going to be different, and the sort of reasons that you might um, agree to somebody working from home 
may not always be something they want to share mm. or yeah, you know, want everybody else to know about. So there's you know going to be have to be some diplomacy used. Mm. At the same time, <laughs> you're also wanting to create a sense of team. Yes. And I was thinking, as you said, fair, is it more about people knowing we are a team, we're all together yeah. um, and everyone's got the same opportunity uh, yeah. to sort of raise their hand for that. Is that what you're getting at there? Well, sort of, but it's up to the manager or business owner. They may not want to offer that same yeah. opportunity to everybody because at certain roles or even certain people, dare I say it, they might want done in the office. Mm. I could rave on about this for ages, but <laughs> <laughs> I actually think this is this is one of the biggest tests of management and leadership yeah. that we've seen for a long time. Because all of a sudden, if you've got a team of people, you're having to negotiate all this and, and work your way through how comfortable am I with somebody working from home? How yeah. do I know that they're doing what I think they're going to do? Mm. So we have to find different ways of collaborating on an ongoing basis. You know, I think the last two years we've known, well, you know, we've just got to hop on a Zoom call. Yeah. This is temporary and we're all over that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So what systems are you going to set up to get that working? Mm. And then, of course, you're going to have people who will want to work flexible hours. So it might not suit me. Oh, well, I'm past this stage, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it might suit me to finish working at three o'clock so I can pick the kids up yeah. from school, come home, do the whole swimming lessons, bath, yep. you know, dinner, bedtime yes. and then hop on and do a couple of hours at night. Yeah. So how flexible do you want to be around that with your team and mm. how will you negotiate that? So it's all about finding a common ground and yeah. understanding that you're all on the same page, you're yep. all there for the same reason and we'll be talking further about purpose and, yeah. and all that at another point. We want you to not make it too painful. <laughs> hopefully you can be a bit flexible and hopefully you can have a bit of fun with it. Absolutely. Uh, but as always, evaluate how it's going and, and get feedback from the team. So put it in your diary now for a few months down the track. If you're making changes, check in with them and see if it's working for them or whether there's further adjustments you need to make. Mm. We hope you got some helpful takeaways from what we've talked about today. Depending on whether your workplace is considering still working fully remotely, transitioning back to the office or having a bit of both, choosing to have a hybrid workplace. So are you clear on what's going to work for you and moving forward, what more you need to know to put this into place? You can find the show notes for today's episode, including links to any mm -hmm. resources we've mentioned, on our website. See you in the next episode.